0: merino wieners come with a very unfortunate reputation born to die is the cliche these animals have been given by generations of frustrated and disappointed wool growers but think about it from a nutritional perspective these young animals are trying to grow themselves whilst growing their first fleece They're trying to build their engine through a summer and autumn when both protein and energy are naturally hard to come by and their success in reaching mature weight is limited by whatever is in least supply. Let's face it, it's not the easiest part of a merino flock to manage, but the rewards when you get it right are big given these are your next breeders and your next wool growers welcome to the yarn it's a podcast for the wool industry i'm is coming so many of you will have heard of and hopefully taken part in the highly successful lifetime new management program and winning with weaners is a natural extension of this it aims to achieve 95% weaner survival to one year of age by practical actions and tools such as understanding the impact of weaning weight protein and energy requirements Setting weight targets and establishing a set management calendar. But let's hear from a couple of wool growers who've done it and succeeded. AWI's network Sheep Connect New South Wales recently held a Winning with Wieners workshop in the New England region, and Megan Rogers sat down with a couple of growers afterwards.
1: Tony Overton, uh, I manage uh, Euron Pambler. Uh, we're just on the eastern side of Walker here. Um, we're joining about 8,000 superfine fine ewes, sort of. We come in about that 15 micron. Um, we're sort of about that 85%, 90% lambing rate. Um, we run quite a fair few uh, weathers. Um, that's sort of in a nutshell, I suppose, what we're doing. Um, yeah.
2: And you, Rob?
3: Uh, Robert Kelly. I'm on the eastern side of Gaira, uh owner-manager of Mount William. Uh, we've got roughly 1,600 merino Commercial use, self-replacing merino flock. Uh, we trade cattle, and also have a sheep trading operation. Uh, the ewes are roughly 17 micron and have a weaning percentage of between 85 and 90 percent.
2: So, I've already sort of put you guys in it, saying you're repeat offenders, and you've both come back. You've you've been invited back because you're both strong. ad have advocated strongly for the benefits of of what it is that we talk about in the winning with Wieners workshop so tony i guess you and i've had a couple of conversations about you know how implementing some of those concepts and management practices into your operation has helped refine or you know increase productivity can you just talk us through a little bit of what the implications have been since you did the first uh winning with weaners it was three or four years ago
1: yeah it's probably um, you go back a step and and we we did lifetime you I don't know seven or eight years ago or something and and that was really good and, and lifted our production but there was still a thorn in our side that we, we're getting all these lambs on the ground and then we weren't getting to shear them at at the year later. so you know one of the, my key focuses I got to the stage and I think it was sort of about drought time in the last couple of years there that I got frustrated and went, if I could just minimise losses, not not chase production, just just minimise some losses. And, and this Winning with Wieners uh, day came up and it sort of ticked a few boxes and light bulbs. And I went, well, that's pretty simple. And I think we took home, um, a simple one is just weighing sheep. That was simple. Uh, and split them up into, we run pretty much a mob of ewe, ewe lambs, mob of weather lambs, and then just took the, the rubbish or the tail out and... That, that was the simplest we didn't really do much more and and we had a couple of good seasons which kicked some kick some goals um, but the monitoring just became so easy, we run a, a rotation system so we're, we're probably moving them every week and when you had all good sheep in a mob, you're moving them through a gateway and you're just going on, there's, there's two crookies, what's going on there? And and two sheep was the highlight to say that's the start of an issue instead of going out and going, oh that's just one of them crook fellas you know, like, so yeah, that was sort of the start. Um, and then a lot of other th- little things started to snowball that we saw are the... Well, they're subtle hints, but they're big for business and they actually increase production. So um, big ones uh, increased tensile strength, increased fleece weight. Um, we had more to shear at, at the end of the year. Um, one of the downsides, and, and I think it's probably not too much of a downside, but uh, our micron actually went up on those hoggets, which... In our, our stuff, you know, we were sort of down in that 14s and sub-14s and it's probably lifted it to 14-2, 14-3, which can put us out of a few contracts and things like that in our end. But um, I'd still prefer the lifetime production of that ewe lamb to, to give me the benefit for the, for the next five to six years and I think it outweighs what we lose on that first year.
2: And you just you just mentioned lifetime production. Tell us what you mean by that.
1: Um, in our outfit, we're, we sort of pushed the boundaries a bit on a few things, I think. Um, so we ceased mulesing in 2008, I think it was. Um, and since then, we've sort of been pushing for, if I call it the same old cliche, easy care sheep. But um, we haven't put fly control on a, on a sheep, and we don't we crutch for pre-shearing, not for other reasons. So that's a pre-shearing crutch for our quality assurance in our wool. So that's out we haven't put chemical in our ewes for four years now. I'm not saying we're against it or whatever. If we, if I have to, so I set thresholds for flies. Um, our worms—we're in the home of worms. Um, I think we're averaging about eleven drenches in five years on our growing sheep, which is um, for the New England is nearly unheard of. There's other blokes that are doing very similar. Um, so you all of a sudden become a very easy care sheep that's also profitable and part of that is actually getting the sheep growing to be a good sheep to start with so you know there's no point trying to get lifetime year production when, when you've started on the back foot from the first 12 months of its life if, if they're growing well they're set up they've got high worm resistance themselves um, they, they just do which is you know, we, you know cattlemen talk about it all the time doing ability of cattle doing ability of sheep um, we're in a pretty tough environment um, you know we're we pretty much have no protein from April to October, pretty much. That's about how we run. Um, and we have little sheep that suit that. And they've got to be tough little buggers, pretty much. Yeah.
2: And I guess, like, just to, to bring that full circle round, the the byline of the Winning With Wieners uh, workshop is lifting lifetime performance of young merino sheep. So, you know, it's what we want to, what we want to do as, as um, deliverers of the, the workshop. And, you know, just to hear that it's, you know, giving you, you know, benefit after benefit after benefit and throughout the lifetime, you know, that's really sort of, um, you know, an impact that, um, you know, just it's not just here and now and it's not a once-off thing. It's, it's setting them up for, for a lifetime of, of them doing their job for you. What about the fact that uh, – what about things like um, genetic selection pressure and things like that? Does it offer you any more – um, you know flexibility in that space. I
1: oh, yeah, it's it's huge on on a lot of fronts. On that, that, um, well, we, we, we've tweaked a lot of our operation. We used to do a, a Border a Lester job because we thought it was a bit of cream on the top. Um, and once you get into the nuts and bolts of it, it's actually not cream. It, it was actually costing our business. It was big cash influx, but it was actually costing it. Um, so you actually by actually, uh, you know, it at eighty five ninety percent lambing you know you're talking out of six thousand ewes, eight thousand ewes, whatever we join um, you know you've got a good number of hobbits and, and the years gone by where you may have lost ten or fifteen percent of them and it, it's sort of a subtle leakage you don't you don't walk out one day and you've got them but over twelve months you might lose a few here and then you get a worm burden and you might lose a few there and you never seem to see them you think where do they go but once you actually start getting some numbers and, and once you get into it and, and start chasing some numbers going what is actually happening. And once you start kicking some goals, you want to keep kicking more goals. You sort of get that on that, that snowball. And, um, you know, we're, we're running staff and th- there's nothing better than staff that are proud of what they're doing. They know they can go and move a mob of sheep and go, oh, the miserable little buggers are dying all over the place. And they're not happy about that. They go out and go, oh, yeah, they look good. They're, they're not picking up weak sheep. They're, there's a whole lot of other stuff, there's a lot of social mind stuff that goes into it that if you if you've got... Healthy sheep, it's just, well, seems a bit funny in the sheep industry, but it's good fun going and moving them, good fun to work them, they're easy, it, it's, it's happy days.
2: So, a lot of upside, I mean, I guess I, I think back to the cliche that we've got about, you know, the merino wiener and, you know, how they don't love life, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, though, you know, you're basically setting them up to love life a bit earlier.
1: Yeah, I I actually think they're incredibly tough animals. What we what we put them through, you know, we walk out there in a minus ten morning, and here they are frolicking in the in a paddock, and you think, here we are shivering and shaking. So, yeah, I, I I enjoy them, and and it's nice to see them enjoying life. And it is, it's a good, you know, you, you post videos and stuff of sheep drinking around a trough all happily as you're sitting there, and people just go, oh, you you actually like your sheep, you know, and I'm like yeah, they they give us give us what I want, which is you know, give me a job and, and pay the bills. So you've got to look after them, I reckon.
2: Yeah, far out. And um, we'll come back and, and talk a little bit more about some of the finer sort of management um, activities. But I'll I'll just turn to you now, Rob. Just run us through a little bit of, um, of what the Winning With Wieners workshop and, and the principles of, of what we've talked about today, which is, you know, around minimising wiener real thrift and, and working proactively and setting some targets. Run us through how, how that's impacted your, your business.
3: Well, thanks, Megan. Well, I guess when we look back at it, um, the weaners are the building, building blocks to our, to our enterprises. If we don't have the weaners and we haven't got them to 12 months and then they're not going through their system, then we're missing out on that, uh, their, their lifetime production. So I, I guess going back, you know, we, we were doing a lot of work with sheep and and you know we've looked at fertility a lot and everyone looks at fertility but there is an incredible lot of wastage in the system and and it's wastage that you don't it just creeps up on you as Tony said it's not you know all of a sudden you've got the lambs and by the time the 12 months comes around there's a few less and it it's not just you know they're there and then they're not it it can take sort of 10 months and there's a few disappearing all the time and you're thinking well what's what's going on here what's making the difference so I think for me is our standard reference weight and working the weights off and weighing sheep and knowing where they are and and their growth rates to to continue to move that forward and um, that really helps with the ill thrift if we're if we've got our management right and we've got the growth right and, and the sheep are moving forward then we can they're happier as Tony said they're happier and they're enjoying life and they're they're going better so it's just a it, it doesn't take too much, um, just knowing at points in time throughout the year what your pasture curve's like, what your pr- protein's like in your grass based on the rainfall and the time of year, and um, putting those sheep over some scales at the different times and having your management, working on your management, which is what we've got a lot out of today, working through the management of those sheep so by the time they're 12 months, you get their first clip off, then they're 18 months and enjoying them, and those you portion of that are just ready to go and get in lamb and create our next generation of sheep.
2: I just want to swing back around and and talk a little bit about the feed budgeting. So we do a bit of feed budgeting in the workshop and we talk about both protein and energy and the unique requirements that young sheep have, which are just a bit different to grown sheep. And, And, you know, and the role of protein in helping with that. We talk about the law of limiting nutrients and how if we don't have enough crude protein, we can throw as much energy at them as we like, and they will not grow. How's that sort of, that concept changed the way that you that you look at, you know, apportioning your feed? Um, and I'll, I'll get you both to answer that, because I think that there's some, some really nice messages in in where we can think of what the suitability of our pastures might be for, you know, the different classes of livestock. I'll start with you, Rob.
3: You're, I guess... Um we're looking at it. The once the sheep's matured, um, they've already built all their body, and you know we're looking at the fat scores, and we're looking at them going forward. And we kind of forget with the young animal, they're they're growing, so they actually need that protein to grow the muscle to get them up and going. And if if we don't have that protein in the system to do that, then they are going to fall behind in the growth. So we often think, well, they need a lot of energy because energy gets them around, but they're actually growing through that time which is protein and protein is a building box for for the muscles. So we actually need to be looking at when we've as I've said with the pasture budgeting, knowing knowing where our feed is. So you know, we want around that eighteen hundred kilos of dry matter. If it's more than that then we then we'll be reducing the protein in the pasture. We've got more energy um, by feeding supplements, but we're we're dropping that protein back. So we need to be looking at these young animals as they're growing through that stage of, if we do need the supplement and we don't quite have that pasture there, then we need to be looking more at the protein than the energy of those, so we can then try and match what we've got on the ground. So if, if on the ground it's been dry and then it's wet and we've got a lot of clover and we've got a lot of high protein, then we don't need to be so much looking at the protein. But as we come in later in the year, particularly through our dry winters, and we've got that bit of standing feed on the ground, well, we've got the energy, but we're lacking protein. So we really need to be looking at the at a high protein supplement for that to keep them growing.
2: And what about yourself, Tony? Like, how do you you know look at at your feed base you know now in considering what you're doing with your wieners?
1: Yeah, we, we started down the track, and then it was post drought. We we were sort of traditionally a we run a fair bit of native country, and then um, based on fescue pastures and. I just found that I actually couldn't, without doing supplementing, I, I just couldn't get the weight gains that I wanted just off a fescue bas- pasture, and it's a combination of things that I, I, we needed higher stock or higher density stocking rates, which was more wire and water, which we're progressing towards. It's a it's a slow process, but so we went down the ryegrass track, ryegrass brassicas, clovers, those sort of things, and and really quickly it changed the dynamics of what we did, and it's not a lot, you know, we, you know, a, a ryegrass pasture if you still have a hole in the middle, but it pushes your spring and autumns longer. So it just means that green feed, which is protein. Um, so that sort of changed a few things, um, made us aware of, of what's going on on our protein sort of stuff. Um, it doesn't mean we don't supplement with, and we can still use um, in our pasture management, that if we've got um, sort of dry standing feed, which is this time of year, um, July August you know, it's pretty much cardboard that's left it's got energy but we can supplement that with protein so you, you you're almost containment feeding them in a paddock that that still needs chewing back so that's sort of been the model that we've been running on and um, so far it's working well I think um, but yeah that that protein source is the 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 nuts and bolts simply if you haven't got green grass you haven't got protein so that's i I'll Probably not as scientific as Rob, but I just keep trying to keep it simple and go, green grass, we're kicking it. No green grass, we need to do something else with it. Yep.
2: And so we talk also about targets. So we've got a, you know, Rob, you mentioned that, you know, knowing your standard reference weight and then factoring that into establishing a target. Weaning weight's really important. How important is maintaining the the approach to having targets, setting targets, and monitoring to see whether you're hitting those targets to get them to that joinable, that ideal joinable weight. Tony.
1: Yeah. Well, anything in agriculture is is if you're going to do something, you got to do it early. Um, you know, the biggest killer we, we have in anything we do is 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 usually time. That by the time you realise something, it's it's too late. So, the standard reference weight, um, a standard weaning weight, depending on your type of sheep, your genotype. Um, is is a really good benchmark and then from then what your growth rates are now you might be above the line or below the line wherever you are through that season but if you know where you are you know that righto we get to the other end we, we might have some catch-up or if we don't if we have a late spring we might need to do some catch-up with a feed wagon instead of doing it off grass or you can build a so at the moment we're building a bit of a feed wedge that we've got rye grass that I could graze tomorrow quite comfortably but I actually want to actually get some more feed in front so they can go back into that system and stay on grass going into the sp- into the spring, and they'll catch up really, really quickly. So it, it it just gives you tools to pretty much simply sleep at night. That's the that's the nuts of it, I think.
2: Yeah. And what about yourself, Rob? Like with the the targets and the the weight gains, and you know where you're setting those for? Like if you've got set set points where you're looking at at um, whether you you know hitting those targets
3: yeah well, I think it's um, easy to look at the sheep in the paddock and go, "Yeah, they look good, good. we'll come back the next day and whenever, and we'll just keep monitoring those. But if you've got a target set, then you've got a point at time where you can you can actually do something about it. So if we use our standard reference rate and say, right, at weaning time our lambs need to be at say twenty four kilos, well we then have a we then have a point. That we can actually go and weigh those animals or do something with them and go well you know what we're on this is good or we're not so we need to do something about it. Um, So for me it's like with our season pretty much getting dry or cutting out up in the tablelands with the rain with the summer dominant rainfall Um, we're a bit further east so we do get some growth out to May but then pretty much from May till September it's shut off so we don't want to be doing the hard lifting with our sheep during that period of time. And once we get to October and then come back through our summer, that's when we've got rainfall and we've got pasture growth. So we need to be looking on either side of that window of, say, that end of May period till September um, on the edge of those windows. So we want to be before, before the end of May, we want to get as much growth as we can into those sheep and maintain that and see what we can do to maintain and just a little bit of growth through that period... And then keep an eye on that so that when we get into our growing season we can then see, you know, it can be a bit later at times um, if our weights aren't quite right, knowing that once we get the rain, once we get the break we'll be right. But we can keep monitoring and have our target in place and at a trigger point in time we can then say, well hang on, we're really going to have to increase our supplements here because they're not, they're falling falling behind they're not on their targets.
2: One thing that that I am very mindful of particularly when we're trying to structure extension activities for uh, modern day farmers sheep producers wool growers doesn't matter whether you've got a mixed farm or a pure grazing operation is that we're all pretty time poor how much extra time does implementing some of the winning with wieners concepts into your business take is has it created a lot more work for you
1: uh, no, I'll go the other way. I actually think it's saved us time. So if we just had to go and muster sheep that have got wormy because we hadn't been monitoring, that, that takes longer to get them in. It's more frustrating. It takes longer to handle them. Um, our weighing, it's, it's just as simply, if they're in the yards for something else, we just run 40 or 50 over the scales. That gives us an average, and we can just work off that average. You know, we, we might have 3,000 hoggets in that. That'll still give us a good enough average to tell us where we're tracking um yeah i actually think we save less it saved more time than than what we did before so yeah a lot of people think it's going to be time consuming but
3: i actually i actually think it goes the other way
2: what do you reckon rob
3: i don't think it's added that much extra time time at all i mean if we're looking at these targets and looking at the times well we're, we're bringing the sheep in at certain times anyway and they're in the yard so if we've got the scales there it's it's pretty simple to just run them over the scales it's not like we're going out to the paddock and going oh that's another job to do it's like good we can go out get our wieners in we've got to do this or this with them let's just um see how they're tracking know how they're tracking and know what our next steps are so it's because we're looking at using body weight um, rather than anything else to get our growth in our wieners then it's it's not too difficult to run a portion of them over the scales when they're there. Um, it's, just that, it's just that small time taken to do those, and if they're in there anyway, um, it's not going to matter. But the outcome's out the other side as far greater than the extra time that's taken to do that.
2: I guess the, one of the $64 questions around this, and this will probably... I've got two more questions for you, but the one of the $64 questions is how's the repro rates from from start from getting those um, you know you wieners to their joint ideal joining weights have you have you like gained some extra conception um, in their first joining?
1: definitely um, yeah I think we were probably 70 to 75 percent conception rate on our maiden so people need to understand we're uh, you know we're, we're talking 45 50 kilo growing sheep is sort of our our reference weight, um, and and the big the big winner isn't just the first year, and that's what we we don't know is that is that that conception rate keeps going on for the lifetime of that ewe because she's put together better, um, she's learned to have a lamb and keep that lamb. So there's a fair bit of evidence to say that a ewe that loses her first lamb will continue to lose lambs. It's a learnt behaviour, um, and then it's it's. Not just the conception rate, but then the weaning weight goes up because that ewe is actually set up ready to have a lamb. She's she's not going to be hungry and and it low in condition score, or, or body structure. She's actually built to go and do it. I think they milk better because they've actually got the weight designed to do what they're supposed to do, which then that lamb gets up and goes. So, yeah, she's she's a lot of a lot of little one percenters that that adds up to a big percentage change, and it's it's actually really hard to measure the one percenters, but. Um, you know, we're out there with the livestock and, and you can see it every day, you know, you're out there with them.
2: What about you, Rob? Like, how's your like your, uh, made-new conception? Has that sort of changed with implementing some of the Winning with Wieners concepts?
3: Uh, it has, it, um, simply because it's made me focus more on those young sheep that are coming through. Whereas before, you know, because they're not such a big makeup of the flock but they're so important that if they weren't quite doing quite as well well the main thing is I've got to look at my older ewes that are going to lamb to make sure I've got lambs on the ground but at the same time I'm missing the production on those so it made me step back and realise well I'm losing conception on those so there's extras that I can do but as Tony said it's, it's the lifetime of those so I would have said my, um, my original conception rates would have been 70 to 72 percent in the maidens where now I'd be now I'd be around 89 to 91 or 2 percent
2: it's, you know, that's that's a substantial, you know, upside, isn't it? You know, I, I mean, we all know that our, our maiden, you know, it doesn't matter where we are, our maiden new conception and reproduction rates are, you know, at, like can be quite a, 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 um, a constraint to our business or a cost to our business just through lack of um, conception rates. So to, to hear that they've lifted, you know, on both your operations, you know, in such a substantial way, is, is, it's fabulous to hear... I I could talk to you guys all afternoon and we've been here all day so I'm going to let you go but I just I guess if you had one take-home message for just anybody who's going to be listening to this podcast episode what would it be from from a Winning With Wieners workshop?
1: Uh, Get hold of a cheat sheet and uh, the information on it is a cheat sheet and that's what it is it's simple And um, once you've got that and you understand how to use it, have a crack because you won't be disappointed.
2: Just explaining, the cheat sheet is the winning with weaners feed budget table. It's got the targets in it. It's got the calculations for standard reference weight, what the target weights are throughout the season up to the 18 months, which is the first joining, plus how much to feed them. What about yourself, Rob? What would be the one one main message?
3: Um, I would say that... um learning what the uh, standard reference weight is uh, and applying that to your weaners throughout the stages. And I'd be guessing if there's people that are sheep and cattle producers out there that a lot of people would be weighing their weaner calves or weighing their heifers to make sure they're the joining, weighing their cattle to see if they're feedlot ready. Um, having a pair of scales, set of scales for your sheep and weighing those lambs yep. is um, is a pretty simple job to do as well.
2: Thank you both very much for your time. I'm really grateful that you've stayed behind to chat to me today. I've certainly, I mean, never a, an opportunity passes that I don't learn something particularly at these events and, you know, it's as much about learning from each other as it is about the content that we present. So thanks again for sharing your wisdom and insights into um, how Winning with Wieners has helped your businesses. Thanks, Megan. Great thanks, a pleasure. Me.
0: Tony Overton, manager of Urine Pambler at Walker, and Rob Kelly, owner manager of Mount William at Gyra, speaking with Sheep Connect New South Wales, Megan Rogers, after a Winning with Wieners workshop. And if you'd like to take part in such a workshop in your area, all you have to do is contact your state AWI Extension Network to wool.com look up the training extension or winning with wieners whilst you're there of course look up local events and of course you can follow us on facebook instagram and x so a huge thank you to megan rogers for that insightful interview but from me Marius, coming thanks for having a yarn with us